Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. We are starting off our coverage of The Touch of Iron today by Tamandra Whitecastle. We've gotten a third of the way through. You guys, you guys should know this by now. We start with a third. <laughs> so we're, I think we stopped at book two, chapter 10, up to, t- up to chapter 10 of book two. Yes, yes, that's right. Luke, it's summer. Temperature's getting, getting a little bit warmer. I don't think we need a warm up today. Ooh, okay. That's a good point. I say we yeah. just get into it. We've we've thawed we've thawed for the season. <laughs> we've rehydrated. Ooh, a little throwback. Callback. Okay. So this book, let me start off with by saying, is very dark. Mm-hmm. And I think when 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 I started this, I think it's like chapter two where the main character almost gets raped. Yeah, I think it's chapter two. <laughs> and I was just like, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got to that chapter and was very concerned. This was, this was like a fifth season kind of situation for me. Yeah. Where it starts off and I am sweating because I don't know what we're going to do with this, Luke. <laughs> I will say, unlike the first episode of fifth season, I do have notes to talk about. So that's good because fifth season we started off just depressed. But, but I've got some things. Yeah, this one, the characters seem to have a little bit of fun sometimes. <laughs> let, me, let me start us off. And, and let me talk about when she gets, or they, both of them get captured. Nora and Owen. Nora and Owen get captured. And they have to go with this company. And the first thing they, that they do is essentially they just have to like run with them. They just have to run with them for a really long time. Count count me out. <laughs> what do you mean? If if I get captured and these the people that capture me are like, okay, we've got to run all night. Yeah. No. I'm I I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're just like, yeah, kill me now. Well, okay, here let me tell you. This is what this is gonna be. I don't remember if this was a hot take that I made or not, but this yes, is gonna be me rescinding a hot take. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> and I don't remember back. what episode it was, but I told people that they Skip should be fine skipping leg day. Yes, you yeah. did tell people that. <laughs> I'm now rescinding that because I've gone on some runs recently, mm. and. My knees hurt a lot, Dan, if I run too far. And I think it's because I don't do leg day enough. <laughs> Luke, I think this is actually getting back to something we talked about way back when with Game of Thrones. Where are all of the people who have just chronic injuries in mm-hmm. this world? And I mean, okay, we we have addressed this. They could all be just dead, right? <laughs> right. But there's an old guy who has to use a spear for a walking stick. You're telling me he is running all night. And these, <laughs> these I'm, I'm going to say they're like 16, these like 16-year-olds. You think that's a little young? Okay, sure. I think, she, I think it says the age, but I don't remember exactly what it is. But go on. Under 20. Yeah, yeah. 
they're having trouble. How either out of shape are these young people or in shape is this big old guy with the scar? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, so my my point is basically that me currently. Okay, yeah, let's get back to that. <laughs> let's get back to me. <laughs> if I go on a run for three miles, mm. my knee is killing me. Killing me. I can't do it. I got to stop. So if I get captured in this manner and I'm running... 20 minutes later, I'm like, e- I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> well, so you would have died. Cause I'm pretty sure, I think right. the implication was they would have killed you and then kept right, going. Exactly. That's what I'm, yeah. Oh, how do you, okay, here's the thing. How do you fake them out? So they don't kill you, but they don't think you're just incapable of running. How do you, oh. how do you weasel your way into not getting murdered by these guys? I think my move is to pretend or find a way to make it seem like someone else injured me. Like someone oh. in the party. So then they're like, dang it, Greg. Now we have to stop because you injured our ca- our captive. Now when you say injured, you mean like during the running, you're going to run like real close to Greg. Right. And then fake trip in front of him like, oh, Greg. Yeah. You're going to pull yeah, a soccer, like a soccer flop in front yeah. of Greg. Okay. Okay. See, I was thinking... When you start to get tired, you pretend like there's something really valuable or interesting right off the side of the trail. Like, oh my gosh, you guys, look at this. Look at this over here. Come check this out. Oh, I saw it was just like right in the grass. I think I saw a dragon egg. Come on, let's look. Like, it's right over here. Come on. And then just, oh, I guess, I guess I wasn't there after like 30 minutes, a good while of searching. Okay. Okay. And then get a little breather. I just don't know if that... I don't know if that buys me enough time, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need a new strategy, then. Because <laughs> I'll be honest, Luke, if, I think Greg would just kill you if you were like... Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm... My chances of survival are very low. Getting out of this is going to be tricky. I think... Okay, this brings me to my next point. Which is, my way of surviving this would be to plan better in terms of, hey, uh, you know how there's a lot of bandits out on the roads right now? Let's not go out there and let's maybe, let's maybe go a different route and not stand out in the middle of the field, of the prairie. Of the open plains. So, um, point is... I think I think Owen and Nora are just poor planners. Well, I, I don't think they have much experience in the woods. I don't think that we're looking at Strider or the Ranger here. I think we're we're looking at Frodo. Okay, fair. But I think Nora seems to be very capable at hunting and a lot of the things that I would picture as you needing to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't have the knowledge of like this color of leaf means it's poisonous. Sure. Don't eat that, Owen. I don't know if she knows that. She's got street smarts, but not book smarts. 
Potentially. Yeah. Owen's got the book smarts. Right. Right. They're good. They complement each other well. But neither of them are good at planning. Not, not great strategies being thrown down by the duo. Okay. I'm, yes. I'm with you. And on I think, that. I think Nora is the biggest example of this. Right. And you could, you could say it seems like that they definitely need, they had to leave quickly. It's hinted at why, but it's not said exactly why. But then Nora needed to leave. It's got something to do so with that mi- darn baker's wife, you know? <laughs> it. So, so maybe they didn't have time to plan. But I think you still, you still can find a way to like not be super obvious about it. The other thing is her plan to escape later was not great. No, I think this is totally in character with Nora, though. Yeah. Nora, we've, we're learning, is very impulsive. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they did not plan at all and got caught by King, Prince Bashir, I think was his name. Basher? Bashan? Bashan? Yeah, Bashan. I think that's Bashan. <laughs> but the fact that they got caught by Prince Bashan is not surprising, given how Nora tries to escape later. Right. Um, and I also, I don't think that they were actually on the plains when they got caught. I think they were in a wooded area near the plains. Okay. But I could be, my geography could be off. Okay, fair, fair. So so I don't think that they were just out in the open, waving around, <laughs> uh... They definitely didn't have a good plan when they were caught. But, oh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know, Luke. (laughs) I don't, you're right. They're not, we're not dealing with very good planners here. Owen might be a good planner. We don't know about Owen. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I can't quite get a good sense of their relationship. Obviously, they're twins and super close Mm -hmm. and nora is the like we said street smart physically capable protector i guess Mm -hmm. and owen is the really bookish smart guy (laughs) yeah we've got the nerd and the jock right now right but i i'm i've I've had a hard time, like, coordinating how they work together. You mm. know what I mean? Like, how they complement each other? Yeah, because, in, like, intellectually, yeah. or not, or instinctively, I can think of how they would. Right. As in, Owen does all the thinking and makes the plans, and Nora executes the plans. Right. But that doesn't seem to be the case. No. And I can't quite, I can't quite put, figure it out. Yeah, I. it seemed like so far, Nora's been leading the way in terms of everything. And yeah. Owen, Owen has just been along for the ride until the moment where he said, no, I'm, I'm going to go be a pilgrim, I think. Bye. Yeah. Which, something else about the relationship that I think is very telling of modern fantasy books is there's that scene where Owen is being asked by Shade about his sister and shades like so do you guys you know you guys get down (laughs) (laughs) 
And Owen's like, what? No. Dude. And is, it, is that common in modern fantasy books? Well, I mean, I'm thinking of an obvious... A very, I'm not right. going to say the name of this book, because I said I wouldn't talk about it anymore. But there's a very clear example in modern fantasy of brother-sister... You know. Right. You know. Doing the dirty. Right. And... I feel like 20 years ago. Oh shoot. When did when did that Oh, oh damn, no. no. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Ah. All right. It was it was more than 20 years ago that Game of Thrones came out. Yeah, so oops. But I feel like, you know, CS Lewis doesn't have any of those scenes. There's no there's no scene in Chronicles of Narnia where <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great example, Dan. <laughs> Where the little goat man comes up to the kids and says, hey, so you guys aren't, you know, weird, right? <laughs> I don't think I don't think any of this book belongs in Narnia. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably fair. There's not enough talking yeah. animals, especially. Yeah, especially I'm going to move us on, especially the part when Nora comes back to Owen's Ridge. Oh. Yeah. Which, by the way, this is going to be dumb of me, but I think I remember in this, the name of where they came from felt for some reason to me like a big reveal. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it felt to me, I don't remember how it was brought up, but it felt to me like this surprise that they're from this place called Owen's Ridge and the fact that he was named Owen. I was like, oh shit. He's like the king of this place. <laughs> But but I don't know I don't know why I thought that. Well to me <laughs> I thought it was that they were just making up names for themselves. Uh, so okay. I thought they they you know they asked them what their names are and then they asked them where they're from and I thought they were either making up their names or making up the place that they were from. But I don't think they were doing either. I think <laughs> No, this... it was just the place that they're from. <laughs> and this dude's name is Owen. Yeah. This was just me being <laughs> being in the era of like Godzilla television where everything is this amazing well Godzilla is probably not the best example but this like plot twist era where everything is this huge reveal and was, no that's just the name of their town well so far you know we don't know oh, okay maybe we're okay maybe we're okay. onto something yeah maybe we are maybe Owen was the king Keep that nugget in the back of our minds. But okay, they come. Nora comes back to Owen's Ridge, and it's taken over by these bandits who are doing terrible things. Mm-hmm. And she gets this. I'm not. I'm not going to say plan, but she decides to help out. Yeah, yeah. Her first move was to go up to the chief. Well, find the chief's room. Or no, not her first move. She she first rescues one of the girls, sends her to the nearest city, getting help, and then she goes back in and goes into the chief's room. And she does this thing where the chief is in there sleeping, and she wakes him up. Which I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a different route than you might be expecting on this. Because at first I was like, You why would you wait just kill him when he's sleeping? Dude, I think we're on the same page, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. At, at first, I thought that, 
But then I thought a little bit more, and for some reason, I am on the same page as Nora, where I would be more more comfortable waking him up before killing him. And here's my example of why. Okay. I'm not a big fan of bees. I don't like bees. I I understand the necessity for bees. Okay, but I don't. I get I get a little I get a little stressed out around them. <laughs> okay. So when I see a bee near me, and I want to kill it. Okay, I know I know people don't want me to kill bugs, but that that's not what this is about. I, for some reason, if the bee is just like sitting on the floor, I'm not comfortable trying to attack it because I know, I know I'm going to mess it up and then the bee's going to be mad. (laughs) I want, I want me and that bee understanding each other first before I go after it. You want it to be an honorable combat is what you're saying. (sighs) That's. So it ends up being that way, but that's not the reason. It's because I'm just, I just know that I'm not, it's not going to work when I do it if the bee's not looking and it's going to ruin everything. And I'm going to, I'm going to lose confidence. Mm. You're going to have made that first strike. It's going to have gone poorly. And then the bee has the upper hand is what you're saying. Exactly. I see. I see. So (laughs) I thought we were on the same page. No, no, no. Like that's that's ridiculous. That's insane. <laughs> I will say this: I love it. That is not why I'm on the same page. Okay. I thought that this was super realistic in terms of how hard it would be to kill somebody. Okay. So let's use your. Let's use your bee analogy. It's a great one. Let's keep it going. If there's a bee that's just... If there's a... Okay, let's use a wasp. If there's a wasp... Okay, that's better. Yeah. Wasps. Wasps, I can I can attack. We can... And not feel bad about yeah, it. Yeah, wasps, they, we should... Well, most wasps we should kill. Okay. <laughs> We're not even going to get into this. Anyway, if there's a wasp that's just chilling... I still am like, I should, I could kill this before it does anything, but I'm going to feel a little bit bad if it's just kind of sitting there, not really doing anything in the moment. Like I know it's bitten a lot of kids this summer. I know five or five or six kids have welts from this wasp, but I'm not seeing it actively attack someone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel a little bad just smacking it with a flip flop. Oh, you go flip flop. Oh yeah. You go flip flop. You don't stop? Oh, no. You get the flip-flop in hand? Whack it. This might be where... No, uh, okay, hold I on. I... Okay, go ahead. Hold on. But if that wasp starts coming at me, then I can clap it with two... You know, you do two flip-flops together and you clap it in the middle. Ooh. No guilt. It was coming at me. It was self-defense. Okay, that's definitely a good point. I, I will say, I don't think I have the dexterity for that. That's okay. That's fair. And you, you know, you miss a lot, <laughs> but you feel good about it. You feel better than if you had just smacked it while it was hanging out. Right. And I'm, and again, just going, I know I'm going to mess up the first hit. Yeah. 
And so I feel it's like you're not a big sports guy. What are you talking about? <laughs> but when my team is playing basketball, let's say, and it, it, the game's real close at the end of the game, do you want to be? Do you want to be up by one? No, 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 no. Playing defense or down by one playing offense? You're down by one playing offense. Exactly, it's the same thing for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can vocalize how that connects but in my mind it does no it it tracks it tracks for sure (laughs) so i actually to come back around am very on board with nora waking him up before killing him oh yeah absolutely when i was yeah when i like i said when i was reading this at first i was like come on he's right there so easy yeah and she even kind of like whispers around in the room to see if her friend's in there. Yeah. And it's like, this is so risky. Just kill him. What are you doing? But yeah, the more I thought about it, I would definitely not just go up and slice that guy's throat. I would yeah. be trying and to I... avoid it at all costs. <laughs> and one thing I appreciate is I think there's a tendency in these kind of scenarios for the main character or the character to have a reason to do that. Like in their monologue that we're listening to, they're like, yeah, if I wake him up, it'll be better because of this reason and this reason. And it'll be easier to do this because of that. I appreciate that there's not that because it's, it seems more instinctual for her Mm -hmm. in this case. And I appreciate that because that's where I'm out with my, with my bee fighting technique. It's more of an instinct kind of thing. Right. We're not trained warriors. We're just kind of acting on what, what feels right. <laughs> I'll say this, though. Nora is super hungry. Mm-hmm. She's trying to find food for the first when she's like attacking Owens Ridge. At one point, she goes into the kitchen to get some food. And in order to get there, she has to sneak through a common room with four guards sleeping. And she's trying to be super quiet. You know her stomach growled so loud right in the <laughs> middle of that room. And we didn't get that detail in the book, but it totally happened. Oh, yeah. She hasn't eaten oh, for yeah. two days. Her stomach is going wild. It's going bananas. Yeah, it always happens in the worst time. Unless she has some, like, technique for making it stop she's got to teach me that technique you know the you know what the technique is luke it's puking can we talk about can we talk about how much vomiting there is in this book so far <laughs> there is so much puking okay yes now that i didn't think about this when i was reading it but yes there is a lot okay it's like run really far yeah you're puking Makes uh-huh. sense. Kill a dude. Yeah, you're definitely going to vom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kill another dude. Mm-hmm. You're going to vom. See, see dudes on impaled on stakes that have been eaten by bears. Yeah. Probably going to vom. Probably mm-hmm. going to. Yeah. One thing. Well, okay. One thing that we just. I want to go back to her going and getting food in this kitchen. This is something that I don't, I didn't, I didn't write down, but I, I remember it a little bit. 
she went and found some kind of old bread, not not like moldy or anything, but kind stale. of dry bread, and eats it, and I think is, ends up coughing. This is this is a rookie mistake. You you know that you know that bread is scratching up your throat. There's water in that kitchen. I just Nora pl- goes back to my first plan a little bit. If I see a piece of bread that's clearly a little dry, like I'm going to choke on this bread. I'm not. I'm not a great. I'm not a great eater. I'm going to choke on this. <laughs> not one of Luke's strengths. Eating. It's low on the list. Eating. Eating. I I spill water on myself when I drink a lot. No, you got to know your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How they're going to hurt you in this circumstance. Playing around it, Nora. Here's the other thing about that bread. I actually thought about this bread a good amount. And I thought about what was the texture of this bread. And I was envisioning a crouton. Ooh, you went crunchy. If I'm trying to get a bite out of this bread, it's going to make a pretty big crunch. Mm-hmm. That's, that is a risk I'm going to have to factor in. Right. When I'm thinking about the four sleeping people in the other room. Okay, that's a good point. One thing that we're not taking into account is that she's probably that she was like delirious in this circumstance. Okay, so yeah. can't. <laughs> <laughs> but in ideal circumstance, you plant you plant around the crunch and the choke. You take the bread outside. You walk a little ways away. Crunch all you want, mm-hmm. and you come back. Here's the thing about the whole situation, actually, that I was kind of trying to figure out. I never got a clear understanding as to why she had to liberate the women that night. It seemed like they had been there for a little while, and she was pretty sure that people were going to come the next day, and like a lot of people. Okay. This is fair, but I think the reasoning behind it is that these people that are going to come and, in theory, rescue them are a full 24 hours away. Mm-hmm. In that 24 hours, these women are going to... The next 24 hours for these women are not going to be great. So Nora is essentially saying, like, I can't... No matter what, I cannot let them go through this for another day, basically. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good reason. Respect, Nora. <laughs> but also, <laughs> poor planning. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if I blame her a lot for that one, but I will. I would like to talk about the little fight scene mm-hmm. where she does a. Um, what does she do? She she does a little running on the wall and hits the guy in the back move. That was pretty cool. But I had a hard time picturing it. I I was just picturing a lot of like matrix fighting. Mm-hmm. You know how in the matrix are always running and jumping all over stuff and you know sliding between people's legs and, and yeah. that kind of stuff. That's what I was picturing she was doing doing a little neo tactics. I th- this made me, I think I pictured her as being just so small and so quick. Mm. 
like a little like a little Sonic the Hedgehog kind of kind of move. Because she runs and jumps off the bar, I think, and hits the guy in the back, and he can't react because he's turning so slowly. Right. Which makes me think that she's going very fast. Right. Which, which kind of inf- I don't whether accurately or not informed my image of her a little bit more mm-hmm. in terms of being like this small, super quick. And for some reason, it made me picture her as younger than I originally had. I was thinking this too, actually, because it, it felt like they were really underestimating her and they would only yeah. be really underestimating her if she was younger than I had originally pictured. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah, this fight scene actually was what completely turn me around on Nora's decisions for this whole thing. I've, you know, it didn't seem like she had a lot of fighting ability. And so when she made the decision to fight everyone, it just seemed absurd. Right. There's no way, there's no way you're going to take on eight people, but the fight scene in that like common area with the fire going on behind her was pretty freaking sweet. Yeah. And I'm going to say after after seeing that, Nora made the right call. That's that's what you do. <laughs> little little hindsight here from Dan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, after you see that it works, it turns out it was a good decision. Yeah, yeah good move, fair. Nora. Okay. I think... Oh, okay, are you ready to move on from this? Yeah, I'd camp? like to talk about another fight. And this is the fight with prince bashan oh okay i was going to talk about a different one but go ahead let's talk about prince bashan and then we'll come back to the the bear (laughs) yeah yeah so prince bashan gets ambushed and there's a big fight that happens where some bandits attack his company with owen and this is after nora's already left at one point during the fighting it seems to have largely cleared up with the prince's men winning but there's still some pockets of fighting going on and the prince is still fighting at one point and it says that people who've finished their little battles are looting bodies what guys (laughs) your leader is over there and could die and you're looting corpses finish the fight first they're not going anywhere Right. I thought that this was odd as well. And I couldn't quite... So, uh, your version of events is correct, I think. For a minute, I thought maybe the people that attacked them were looting bodies and were trying to loot some bodies and then run away. Which would kind of make sense. But I don't think that's what happened. And we do get this scene, or this description, where I think it's Owen sees them fighting and sees that they're like really enjoying it. So it almost makes it seem like the people that's, that did not help them were letting them fight because they didn't want to take away the enjoyment from them. I see. I don't know if that's true. I was taking it. I was taking it also as potentially that the, the people who are with the Prince are more like mercenaries. Mm. They're, they're not super loyal to him necessarily, or at least they're not as concerned with his like personal well-being as much as they're concerned with taking stuff. 
so they're kind of more soldiers of fortune. But then it seems okay. like whenever the prince talks about them, he talks about how loyal all these people are and how they've stuck with him. Right. I think this is this is like a multiplayer video game. Okay. Where you don't want to take... If you see someone fighting somebody about to get a kill, you don't want to take the experience from them. They might be about to level up. Okay. But in this case, it's loot. So I think that this company has maybe some kind of rule where it's like you get to keep the loot that you get from whoever you kill. Mm-hmm. So they see the prince and whoever's around him in control of this fight. And they're like, I don't want to interfere with that because they're going to be mad at me because then we have to split the loot from those people. I just want to get my loot. I see. So they have this this band of of compatriots really have their priorities straight then. And uh <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to get my loot. I don't want to take their loot. They can deal with the fighting over there. And right. if if one of them dies, well, that's fine. Right. It's very pirate. Which which is a either really self-serving or I think we get an insight into them like you said being more loyal to themselves and gaining riches and that kind of thing than whatever cause that they're going to. Maybe. The other thing is that maybe these guys are much better than we have realized. Like they know that they're the elite fighters and that, and that they don't have to worry about this because they just know that their, their people are going to win this fight. And and so they're just not worried about it, which would kind of make sense when you consider that this seems to be a band that has been together a while and has gone through a lot of things like this. And so probably has a lot of experience, whereas they're fighting off like bandits in the woods that probably are like preying on caravans with like two guards or something like that. Right, right. I don't know if that's true, but. Yeah, I mean, I definitely get that. But it's still this idea that you know, one arrow to the face <laughs> and your buddy's dead. Yeah, that's fair. If you want to take that risk, that's fine. But I wouldn't have done it. Okay, while we're here, can we talk? There's there's two things about one of the characters in this band that I want to say, and that's Shades. The 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 I think he's like 17 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's... Essentially, Owen's guard, I guess. Kind of, yeah. At the beginning of when they meet they meet up with this band, they kind of make fun of Shades' name. I don't know why. I don't know why you're making fun of his name. That name's really cool. I am also on board. <laughs> Shades is dope. A, that name is really cool. B, Shades is really cool. I don't know if he personally... Is really cool. I doubt he is. He is probably a dick. <laughs> Considering he's with this this group of like murderers or I don't know what they are, but they seem pretty bad. Yeah. But Shades is like 17. Seems like a really good fighter. We get this scene of Owen talking about him in which Owen says 
that he'll occasionally be mid-sentence and hear something and pull back his bow and shoot it and like hit a squirrel or something. What? Shades. Teach me this. That's dope. But for for one second, can we talk about how psychopathic that is? <laughs> he'll just be talking well, he'll, to okay. you and then suddenly string his bow and shoot something without like really looking at what it is. Okay, fair. Oh, Shades, you shot a... Oh, it's a little baby deer. Oh, no. You... Oh, Shades. <laughs> it's a little baby deer. Shades, you gotta start looking at these. Shades. The mama deer's... Oh, it's trying to pick it up. Oh, Shades. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no one named Shades is worrying about that kind of thing. That's that's so true. Can we also... Okay, Shades is not only cool in this time period... Where there's where there are no sunglasses, it's also cool now. If my nickname now was Shades, I'm a cool dude. Right. Yeah. Shades is universally cool. <laughs> if I met someone and and was introduced to them and they're like, My name's Shades. Like, okay, what's your real name? My name's freaking Shades, dude. Watch me watch me hunt this rabbit without looking at it. Like, holy shit, Shades, you're awesome. Check out this okay, kickflip. Awesome. Awesome's not the right word, but I don't know. I just... Yeah, Shades is very good. Uh, to, okay, it would go a lot. It would go down a lot smoother if somebody else was like, hey, you see that guy over there? That's Shades. Watch out for him. <laughs> Watch out. I'd be like, oh, Shades. Ooh. Be pretty wary around Shades, yeah. But I'd want to be his friend. Right. Right. Okay, let's let's go to this bear fight. Yes. And I don't I don't know if I'm picturing it correctly, but it's it almost seems like Diaz the white that fights the bear is fighting this bear like he would fight a human. Which is a confident move. <laughs> And it seems to work out for him, but I'm more interested in the strategy of the bear. Yeah, this is something I couldn't help but think. It, uh, because this bear is, I forget what the term of it in this, but it's basically a giant grizzly bear. Yeah. And it seems to be trying to do like a fist fight kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, like bear, just tackle him. <laughs> Right, bear, do a bear thing. What are, <laughs> do why do are the you, bear fighting moves. <laughs> why are you doing this? You don't have to play by Diaz's rules. This is like this is like when you're in... Uh, I need to stop with these metaphors. Or, no. This is like when it. you're in Super Smash Brothers and and you're playing as, as one character. You don't know his special moves. So you're just hitting, you're just hitting the punch button. Just hitting punch because you don't know. You don't know that if you hold down B for Donkey Kong, you you get a big wind up for a great punch. This bear doesn't know his special moves. But 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 the thing about a bear is it shouldn't need special moves. This is I think the problem. <laughs> Diaz knows all the special moves, but for dueling another person, and the other person is going to be you know dancing around, using swords to kind of block and parry. 
is about the same size as you are, is thinking strategically, so you have to counter their strategy. That's not how a bear do. (laughs) A bear, and this bear, which is like three times the size of these people, is just going to run at you. Right. And take a chomp. (laughs) But it... And I don't know if it's that Diaz is constantly, like, evading, you know, is, like, dodging the chomp. Like, the bear's charging, and then Diaz is jumping to the side and doing, like, a cool slash. Yeah. But from the way that Nora described it, he was in, like, a sword fighter's pose, as if the bear had a rapier and was trying (laughs) to fence him. And Nora was impressed by this. (laughs) I think, in reality, this... Is Diaz being essentially superhuman? Mm-hmm. Where it says, th- so a bear maybe charges at, the bear maybe charges at him and he dodges, which for a normal person, like you're not going to dodge at this giant bear. But Diaz is covering 20 feet in his hop to the right or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, a bear might swing his paw at you. You're, if you're going to, try to fight that like diaz does i think it says that he parries or something like that which if a normal person did that like no that that's just cutting that paw is going to go through your block and cut you in half but diaz is like superhuman so he blocks it yeah yeah that's my reality take on it but i think i have this picture in my mind's eye of Basically, the bear not knowing the control or not. He knows he knows the basic controls, you know? Yeah. But he doesn't know how to be a bear in this fight. Is this a baby bear? Did they just murder a baby bear? (laughs) If it's a baby bear, I think the fully grown bears must be horrifying to look at. No, I don't think it's... I think we do get... At one point, he says it's, this is not a baby bear. Mm-hmm. There's There's two other things we need to talk about with this bear. Okay, the first... I don't... Do bears know revenge? I, I think Ooh. we learned something about bears and revenge in this okay. discussion. Because... Nora sees the bear is about to die and the bear feels like she thinks that the bear realizes it's about to die and it locks eyes with her and she gets this sense that the bear knows it was her fault and charges at her with its like last breath to kill her. And I never knew bears felt revenge before. Right. But I yeah, think- I, I had this kind of the same thought as you well i don't know if revenge is the right word that i was thinking of but i was more thinking of it knows it's gonna die and it knows it can't kill diaz it wants to kill somebody so it goes after her that's a bloodthirsty bear (laughs) i say kill that bear then that's fine with me yeah yeah run away bear what are you doing your thirst for blood is so unquenchable. Also, you you can just go eat all the dead bodies that you were just yeah, eating. Yeah, why? Just, like, chill, dude. <laughs> okay, that brings us to the second point. Nora says, oh, we could eat the bear. Diaz is like, yeah, you don't want to do that. And I was like, what? Why not? And then 
Diaz shows her the body pit that the bear has been eating. And Nora says, oh, you're right. And then Diaz says, hold on, I'm going to skin it so we can sleep in its skin every night. <laughs> Keep warm, though. That The skin's cool. The skin's cool. Just right. how far does the cor- the human corpse penetrate into the, you know, into the bear? Could they not, right, like, shave right. off some of the outer, the haunches? Couldn't they get some of the haunches? Yeah. Like, obviously, you don't want to be chowing down on the bear's stomach. <laughs> but Because I, then you're just eating human. But, like, how far does... How, mu- how much of his... This bear's muscle, or whatever, has been developed because eating human... Because then you're eating second secondhand human, I guess. Right, and you don't want to be doing that. Right, so where does... This was... I kind of had... A similar thought to this and it was it was more of a question and that is he's he skins this bear and they use it as like a blanket is, is, and they don't go through the tanning process or whatever is that is that gross yeah i thought so but i wasn't sure yeah that smells pretty bad <laughs> there's flies with that for sure <laughs> I guess I, yeah. You can't just do that. that you, that's not how it works. They're, they're living rough, Dan. Yeah, real rough. <laughs> the stink would be powerful on them. Yeah. Okay. This, that brings me to, this is a little bit out of order, but that brings me to a point about Diaz. Mm-hmm. where they're sleeping mm-hmm. and they're like cuddled up for warmth or at least Nora's cuddled up with him for warmth and she smells terrible which is fair and Diaz smells fantastic I'm so jealous yeah he also the description of how he smelled sounded lovely right like rosemary I think was one of the yeah, scents yeah, that yeah. she was getting dang how can you not like this guy? I don't know. He sounds The other great. thing is, usually we get these like hyper-masculine scents, you know, it's like where it sounds really cool. Like He smelled like steel and leather. Leather. It's like rosemary and I don't know what else. That sounds, I want to smell like Diaz. I don't want to smell like Cal Drogo over here. Give me Diaz. That sounds great. He's been he's been out in the wilderness for a month. It smells like rosemary. Meanwhile, I'm over here sitting on the couch, need a shower every day. Right. I go outside for five minutes and I smell like the outside of a Carl's Jr. What the <laughs> fuck? Exactly. There's there's another interesting characterizations of Diaz that we get. First off, back to the bear. He straps that bear pelt onto his pack. Things got to be so heavy, right? Mm -hmm. Things got to be like 50 pounds of bear pelt that he just straps on there like it's nothing. And then we get the clearest indicator that Diaz is a good guy of everything. And that indicator is there. It's a real cold night or maybe it's morning. And... They're having a little discussion, and Diaz says, oh, do you want some tea? Diaz goes into his pack, 
pulls out. He's been carrying the equipment to make <laughs> tea. <laughs> this guy's great. Good guy. Yes. No bad guy would have loose leaf tea and a kettle. Are you kidding me? No. Okay, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Longtime listeners below will know. Big fan of tea. But counterpoint. Okay. You you couldn't pull that out earlier? Give me this tea this whole this whole trip, Diaz. If you've had you've been carrying around this kettle and and loose leaf tea this whole time and it's been freezing across the plains and we could have been we could have been having a little tea by the actually I don't know if they had fires for most of the maybe they were trying to avoid a fire. Sometimes irrelevant. That's that would have been so so great. Make make everyone a little bit more comfy, built up a little camaraderie. I don't know if that's how that word is pronounced. <laughs> I've only seen that word in books. <laughs> anyway, I'm a little bit upset about Diaz not bringing this out earlier. I was actually my last point that I had written down was also tea related. <laughs> And it was that he brings out this tea at a separate time, and it's after they've crossed this freezing river. And that sounds fantastic. That's, so that's why I think he's not bringing it out every night, Luke, is you have to save it for those occasions mm. when you just need a cup of tea. I don't, Luke, I don't know. he's not bringing a box of 64 Lipton green tea bags. Okay, but you don't, you need, you need a teaspoon of dried leaves per cup, max. Okay, that's fair. Maybe not how he <laughs> makes tea. Maybe he makes it strong. He makes it real strong. You know. Actually, does he? Ooh. Did he mix the tea himself? As in, he, ha- he didn't have a pre-made recipe. I think he had... Oh, you're so right. I think he had, like, some, some actual tea leaves... A little bit of like spearmint, and then I think he had some fennel, which I'm gonna say bad bad choice yeah, you don't fennel, do fennel. But wow, this guy's a tea craftsman. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate that actually. This is why they didn't have it every night. This is not just a product that he's pulling out. This is an art. He is like thinking about the events of the day and deciding what herbs would really like put a nice cap on it. And, you know, that takes a lot of mental energy to mm-hmm. go through that process of really, like, synthesizing the day into a cup of hot tea. Right. I think I think we're on the right track here. But I think it's more that he had a certain subset of ingredients. And he wanted the highest impact for those ingredients. And that was after they had crossed this river and were freezing. He was like, this is what I've been saving this for. I see. So it was kind of more along that, more along the lines that we mentioned earlier, where it kind of loses its potency if you do it every night. Mm-hmm. 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 It's, yeah, it takes away from the gesture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Which, yeah, I'm going to say... <sighs> I'm going back and forth a lot of times on this, Dan. But here's the because thing. Because 
after after you make the tea, you can't not have tea the next night, right? Nora's going to be like, right, hey, can yeah. we get some of that dope-ass tea? I'm really kind of cold. Except could you take the fennel out this yeah, time? Yeah, no fennel this time. that was weird. <laughs> that was weak, dude. <laughs> I Yeah, I, which I think he does. Actually, I think they have tea after that. This is it. Maybe she had to earn it. Oh. Maybe he was going off. <laughs> this is it. This is it. No, no, no. Do you remember that night when she points, he points out the lights on the horizon and it's like a bun, it's a big fire and there's like 50 people and he says, stay here. I'm going to go check it out. He's not going to go look at it. He really wants some tea, but he doesn't want to share because she hasn't earned it. <laughs> so he goes off, makes a little fire, makes some tea, just has a nice solitary cup of tea and watches the sunrise. And then comes back and says, well, you fell asleep? Come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stay alert. Okay. That's yeah. what he's doing. He's sneaking off to go have his cup. Right. Because, yeah, because you can't just share a cup of tea with someone that doesn't earn it. No. No. Which, if we, if we hear later in this book that sharing a cup of tea is a big, is a big symbol to him or his culture, I, oh... I feel good about this. I think we're going to see that scene. I'm I'm really into it. <laughs> okay. The one thing where I thought Diaz was being kind of an ass was when they're traveling and earlier on, they both had this moment where they knew Nora wanted to ask him if he would train her to fight. But they didn't do it. And then later, Diaz says to Nora, ask me what you wanted to ask me earlier. And she asks him, and he says no. (laughs) I thought that was kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was hysterical. That's what I mean. He's being kind of an ass. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm a a fan of Diaz. This, This tea debacle... Uh, <laughs> made me go back and forth a couple times, but I think I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of a of a guy that carries all the ingredients for tea and all the all the equipment needed to make tea. Right, right. I love that he's like a mixologist. He's like a tea DJ. Mm-hmm. He's not just pulling out a pre made mix. These are custom right. blends. You're kidding. Diaz is a good guy. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Diaz is a good guy. We got to trust right. him. We got to trust okay. him. Okay. Dan's yeah, Dan's coming down on the side of trusting Diaz, sure. I'm on board. I mean, we're only what? Third of the way through the book. So who knows what twists and turns we'll get up to. But what I do know, we're going to be coming up with some hot takes. We continuing to act like dumb nerds. 